Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cutrera Show. If you missed the show and you're wondering, how would the president of CUPE recommend that Ontario spends its share of the Fed's $2 million safe return to school fund? Then stick around because we'll be joined by Laura Walton. Uh, NBA boycott is possible and we'll get to your calls and reactions. And Moisha Lander starts the show. He's economics professor at Concordia University in Montreal, where he teaches the economics of pro sports. Let's hear his take on the developing story within the NBA. Did you think that this boycott was going to get so big so quick? No. Um, you know, we had heard rumblings even on the weekend that uh, players were starting to get agitated and um, the Raptors star Fred uh, Van Vliet was actually musing out loud saying, you know, I don't even know if we should be playing. And this goes back even before the bubble where Kyrie Irving, a uh, prominent player who's not even in the bubble, was saying, I'm not sure that we should go in because this is going to distract from uh, the aftermath of the uh, Floyd killing. Uh, and he was saying that I think this is going to take away from the message we're trying to deliver. So, uh, uh, no, it, it ramped up really fast uh, after kind of a month of just various, uh, you know, musings out loud. After the Orlando Magic and the Bucks decided that they would not play, uh, there was like a three-hour um, pause in everything where everybody was waiting for one of the teams to make a statement. Um, Milwaukee's George Hill and the rest of the team walked out. I have a bit of the statement Um they gave a joint statement, a team statement, and uh, here is George Hill um, as uh, reading some of the statement. When we take the court and represent Milwaukee and Wisconsin, we are expected to play at a high level, give maximum effort, and hold each other accountable. We hold ourselves to that standard, and in this moment, we are demanding the same from lawmakers and law enforcement. We are calling for justice for Jacob Blake and demand the officers be held accountable. For this to occur, it is imperative for the Wisconsin state legislator to reconvene after months of inaction and take up meaningful measures to address issues of police accountability, brutality, and criminal justice reform. We encourage all citizens to educate themselves, take peaceful and responsible action, and remember to vote on November 3rd on the behalf of the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, uh, that's George Hill yesterday reading from the team statement after they boycotted their game against the Orlando Magic. He, by the way, was wearing a T-shirt with an Obama quote on it. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. All right, well, let's talk about the uh, the change that they're seeking. Players want to get owners' attention. I know there's an emergency b- meeting of the NBA uh, Board of Governors at 11 o'clock today. Uh, where can they take this, and what are the owners able to offer financially to save the season, if anything? Well, you, you know, the owners already put up uh, a promise for $30 million a year for each of the next 10 years, so $300 million uh, to try and support uh, social justice and, and various causes that are uh, of, of concern to the, to the athletes. Beyond that, um, you know, the owners are going to say, listen, we can direct money wherever you'd like it, um, you know what do they what do they gain at this point by pulling the plug on the season right so you know from the player's standpoint they stand to lose a, a lot of money because the salary cap is tied to revenue generation and this is the nba's last chance to generate revenue for this season so um from from a purely selfish standpoint the players have realized that uh pulling the plug on the season is going to harm uh them and in some cases those players have limited 
uh, career life left in front of them, or some of them are marginal players at best. So, you know, I, I don't see that pulling the plug on the season is really going to help advance their cause, other than it's a very bold statement. But maybe stopping playing for three days, four days, uh, while they try and figure out how to best kind of work with the ownership group uh, is one way to do it. One thing I will say, though, is that the NBA uh, commissioner and the, the owners have been the most supportive of any ownership group in the various sports leagues uh, compared against the NFL. Uh, the NBA is a, is a paradise for uh, player causes. Yeah, and it shocks me that the NFL is not, uh, you know, responding appropriately to this. But I, 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 because this is where the protests began with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, and and you know the the NFL season is, is scheduled to go ahead in two weeks, and so if we're watching right now in the middle of the playoffs when there's so much at stake financially for that league that the players are are taking the stance now, how do you think that the NFL players are going to respond in two weeks' time, where they have the ability to do a tremendous amount of damage to those owners that haven't been speaking up? You know, the most prominent Jerry Jones, the the owner of the Cowboys, has been extremely quiet throughout a lot of this in terms of. Uh, supporting the players and and uh, supporting kind of the Black Lives Matter movement and, and things like that. And, you know, if they decide that they want to kneel uh, at a minimum, let alone just say, you know, well, we're not showing up, um, you know, they're not in a bubble. So uh, they already have a bunch of health risks at play here for the way that they're going to try and run their season. Um, add to that this current situation. Uh, the NFL could really find themselves in trouble if they don't get their act together soon and uh, come up with a message that's going to, uh, be supportive of their players and, and help the players accomplish the, the social goals that they want. Do you foresee the NHL getting on board with these boycotts? Because yesterday they went ahead and played some playoff games. Yeah, you know, the NHL is a, is a complicated one, right? Because where the NFL and the NBA are primarily uh, African-American players, uh, the NHL is not that. And uh, the NHL spans into Canada where... Of course, there's uh, social issues here as well, but not on the same sort of level as the U.S. And so, uh, you know, they're probably going to be supportive to a certain extent, uh, but I don't see that the NHL is going to shut her down, uh, mm. where at least that's a topic that you and I are discussing about the NBA. I, I would argue that it's more important for them to take a stand, uh, to you know, in solidarity, to show that this is not about black and white. This is about humanity. This is about basic human dignity and equality. I, no, I, I completely agree with you. And if they if they did say that we're going to take a couple of days off here, um, I, I don't think anybody would, would get upset by that. Um, I don't think anybody would hold it against the players. And, you know, at the beginning of the NHL playoffs, uh, you know, there was that very moving moment with uh, the two teams, uh, you know, circling at center ice there and uh, a couple of the African-American players uh, speaking about what the current situation means to them. So, uh, you know, the, the NHL has the ability to to take a stance. Uh, I, I just don't know that uh, their stance is going to be as noted uh, if you're trying to get the attention of media, if you're trying to get the attention of political leaders. Uh, I don't know that it has the same sort of resonance. If they did it, that would be great. Uh, the, the impact, though, is really going to come from what the NBA and what the NFL does. One thing I haven't heard a lot of people talking about is uh, it's about also getting the attention of major corporations. Let's talk about the fate of major league uh, sport hanging in the balance right now, starting with uh, the NBA, but moving on to other sports like we saw yesterday uh, following suit, you know, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, 
uh, possibly, eventually, maybe the NHL. But let's talk about the advertisers and, and how, uh, you know, how much power they would have or not have in 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 reacting to this boycott. There's there's tremendous power there with with the advertisers. We've seen that in the last month uh, with the Edmonton CFL team. Once their uh, sponsors started saying, I don't know that we're comfortable with the team name. Certainly in Washington, we saw that with FedEx coming forward saying, you know what, I, I don't think we're comfortable with the team name. And all of a sudden, you can affect social change through uh, through the advertisers and through the sponsors and the naming rights. And so, you know, I, I think that. Nike saw their stock go up in uh, the post-Kaepernick commercial that they released about 18 months ago uh, and uh, speaking out about social causes. So I think that any company that wants to associate itself with this is probably going to find some sort of bump because it, it certainly has the public imagination right now and public support. Uh, if, if pressure is brought to bear on the major sponsors that something needs to be done or that steps need to be taken or money needs to be directed to certain causes – there is the potential for that. And again, you know, that's where the, the players association and the ownership groups are, are going to be having their, their conference today and, and trying to figure out how do we make sure that everybody is on board? The last thing you need is a, a divide between owners and players. There's already so much of that there over you know salaries and playing conditions and things like that. Uh, this is not one more thing that you want to get on the wrong side of, of history and on the wrong side of your, your labor force. Moshe, I have been um, spending the morning trying to break this story down, reading opinion pieces, reading, um, you know, uh, sports commentators talking about this, reading quotes from players and organizations. To me, what I, my takeaway is this is this boycott is about not distracting from the calls for change in the states for equality. And this is about amplifying the calls to create change. So if I crystal ball it, one game or one day of no more sports, it's not going to be good enough uh, in the minds of of the players and the people that are calling for change. I don't think the NBA is going to come back uh, with a message that's going to please people today. I think they're going to call the season. That's my own personal opinion. I got a feeling about it. I could be completely wrong. What's your feeling? Um, I'm, I'm going to hold out some optimism that the season will go ahead. Uh, but I, I certainly feel that, you know, based on rumors that were coming out last night that LeBron James and uh, the Lakers and uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers were saying, pull the plug. Uh, those are two of the favorites. And, uh, you know, the other favorite is, that's kind of got the money on it is, is Milwaukee. And that's only 40 miles away from Kenosha where this happened. So, you know, if the three teams, no offense to the Raptors, but if the three teams with the greatest chance of, of winning the championship say, yeah, you know, we're really not interested in this. Uh, who are the other teams to say, well, we want to go on. So, uh, it, you know, I, I think this is going to go as far as uh, LeBron James and some of the, the big players on, on the Clippers uh, decide if they don't want to play. Yeah, you're right. This is over. Um, they just have to realize where is their voice going to be heard the loudest? Uh, it'll be heard loudly if they cancel today, and they'll be heard for a few days, but then people will just redirect their attention to, hey, the NFL's only two weeks away. If they say, we're not going to play for a week, but we'll be back in a week, um, then at least they'll continue to be microphones in their face. Don't forget that uh, inside the bubble, they have a certain amount of freedom to move and uh, communicate in a way that if they have to go back to their quarantine sort of state, uh, individually, it might be harder for them to get the message. So I, I, I think they have a really difficult decision, but if they cancel, you, you're right. It's maybe not the most surprising thing, but I'm going to hold out hope that they do play. Okay, Moshe, no dis disrespect to this important topic, but I think it bears repeating. You're in Montreal. 
<clears throat> what you just said about the Raptors. Thank you very much for your time today. I just had to put it in perspective for the listenership. That's like, what did you just say about the Raptors? We are in Toronto. I want to thank you for your time and your perspective on this. No worries. Anytime. Boycotting games, not playing basketball. This is about not distracting from the calls for change that are going on in the States right now. This is about amplifying the calls uh, to create change, I think, in the players' minds. Because they feel like, well, Black Lives Matter on the side of a bus or painted on the court, really, it's not getting enough traction. Times Things are not changing, especially after the uh, shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin. So I, my feeling is, is that the basketball will not continue. Before we get to yours, I want to just open up the phone lines. I want to get your take on um, the season. Should the NBA season season continue in your mind? And will they affect more change by playing or ending the season? What are your thoughts? The 640 listening audience. 416-870-6400. Let's line those up. Chris, while you collect those calls, why don't you give us your thoughts? Yeah, the, the thing that I find about all this is that I think that they do have a powerful voice by being on the court and being beamed into everyone's living room. And a lot of sports fans don't pay attention to the news and they're not going to follow what's happening because you know what ha ends up happening is you are you know, when you're a sports fanatic you're obsessed with the game and you're obsessed with everything sports and you don't have any room or time in your schedule to start paying attention mm -hmm. to the other things that are going on in the world and that is a reality we're not going to be able to change that and i think that by boycotting obviously you know what they brought this onto the uh onto the radar for a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't be paying attention but they but i think by disappearing altogether eventually it just disappears into the background because for most people they're just going to move on to a another sport or you know whatever's on netflix they're not necessarily going to jump in onto the news so if they can find a way and i think that's probably what they're talking about right now is finding a way to continue playing and to amplify the message as part of the game. And whether that is, you know, messages um, more than just the words, but actual messages recorded by the players, played throughout the game, something like that, that could give them an opportunity. But I think that if they turn off the league, they're going to turn off people who from watching it. And I don't mean turn it off like like distastefully i'm turning it off they're just going to tune out because they're not paying attention this puts it front and center for people who otherwise would not be paying attention 416-870-6400 you know sports has always been uh, a good distraction a good uh, stress reliever for sports fans uh, one of the things that i found kind of depressing about that crescent's cut that you played was chris weber saying if not now when we have to ask ourselves is this going to change anything no Boy, I, I mean, I kind of, I, I would hope that we have, you know, with all the advances through history towards equality, although they have been small steps, I would hope we would eventually get there. Can we not already, here we are, I hate this phrase, but we're 2020. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how you call a game uh, because you say that, you know, we're calling attention to uh, the conversation that's going on right now, we don't want to distract from it. And we want to do something bigger without canceling the season. And I'm not sure if that is going to lead to any change. I don't have a crystal ball. I just understand for um, a lot of these guys that play on these teams, this is a real threat to their family, to their loved ones. Just being black in America is scary.
It's a scary proposition. All right, so let's get to the phone lines, 416-870-6400. Hey, Chris and Milton, welcome to the show. Um, my question is, you know, they're trying to figure out what to do with the NBA. Should the NBA season continue? Does it make a difference? Does anyone care? I don't know. I don't care if the NBA season continues. But to me, sports players make way more money than what they deserve. And that there's, I just don't think that their voice is that important. I understand that a lot of these players have problems and that it affects them directly. But in the end, I think it was like what Chris said earlier. People are just going to move on to Netflix. It doesn't really matter. All right. I appreciate the call. Kevin on Queen Street. Are, are we, we're getting really specific here. Queen Street where? There's a Queen Street in well, every Queen and, place. Queen, I know. Queen and, Queen and Woodbine. Okay. Well, welcome. Well, let me know that's in Toronto then. Um, there you go. So, Kevin, what do you think? Does the NBA have to call the season or? I don't think they'll achieve anything by, you know, uh, entertainers not showing up to work. They've set a better example to youth and people for being responsible human beings. And if you are not a criminal or you're not doing criminal activities, you have less uh, face time with police officers. They have a better chance of a good outcome in life. Okay. Uh, I I would argue there are some people listening that would say, well, that's not, you know, the the problem is, is, is that there's a lot more focus on, uh, on black youth that are kept in poverty. And uh, there's just a lot less opportunity when you're talking about the States. Um, right. But I mean, so, if you have a father at home, you have better chances. Statistics show that you have a better opportunity of being successful and not being in poverty, less suicide, less drugs, less crime. So if they focused on teaching men to be, have self-respect, treat human beings better, treat yourself better, you'll probably have a better outcome in life. All right. Well, I think your your uh, point of view is going to get some reaction. That's for sure. 416-870-6400. Appreciate the call. Um, is this Lucy? Hi. Hi, Lucy. Welcome to the program. So right now, the NBA, both the uh, players and the board, the uh, Board of Governors are holding meetings. They're separate and they're, they're trying to figure out what to do. But the NBA season, I know uh, the Clippers and the Lakers say, you know what, let's just call the season. Should the NBA continue? Absolutely not. I think um, I think it's about time that black people stop bringing joy to white people when they've clearly shown that their lives don't matter. Um, they're bringing joy every day into people's living rooms. And, you know, for this guy to sit there and say, you know, let's show the world you have self-respect and come on, man. You know what? It's about time for these owners these predominantly white owners to feel a pinch, you know, and they can go back. They are the ones that have the connections politically. They can call for change. So I think this is absolutely the right move. And the fact that the NFL didn't go ahead and boycott when so many other leagues did is all we need to know. Are you talking about the NHL? The NHL. Yeah. Yeah. And, and which, you know, we talked about this. It is a predominantly white league. But, you know, as I said earlier on, I think it, it, even more so, they really stand to make a, an impression and, and call for change Absolutely. Be, by standing Absolutely. up, by standing up in Absolutely. solidarity. This is not this is not a black and white problem. This is a human problem. And we Actually, have to wrap our heads you know around what? it. Racism mm. is not, you know. A black people problem. It's a white people yeah. problem. And the fact but, that the but NF- what I'm no, but what I'm NHL, saying is the lack of equality is a human problem. The lack of equality is a human problem brought, yeah. brought on by white people. Okay. 
appreciate yeah, I listen, okay. Lucy, I appreciate the call and I'm so happy that you called in. Um so you're saying just forget about the season. Forget about the season. Forget about all of these all of these uh leagues that are predominantly black players. They need mm-hmm. to stop. They need to sit down. They need to stop letting these elites, these white elites profit off of their bodies when their bodies only matter on a court and they don't matter on the street. All right. I appreciate the call, Freddie. Welcome to the show. Some passion from Lucy there. Uh, Do you think the NBA season should continue? I mean, that's the question right now. Well, I think what's going to happen if the NBA season is discontinued, it's going to affect the networks. It's going to affect all the companies that's involved in sponsoring the NBA. And then it's going to affect the ownership. And that's the last thing they want is to lose money. Look, I'm a former Olympian. I grew up in South Africa through the era of apartheid. And what we did, we protested and what we, against all white businesses to cripple the economy of what they are running. And by doing that, they had to start paying attention. So we would basically go purchase our groceries at the local convenience stores, make our own bread and things like that. They then had to come to the table to start having a conversation. So politically, um, what's going to happen is we got to start, although we're starting from the bottom up, we got to start now from the top up. If you look yesterday, all major league sports canceled their games except the white organization, the NHL. Why? That means they don't respect what's happening throughout the world. For them, it's about the pocketbook instead of coming together and says, let's see how we as human beings can uh, support what is happening with these black men that is getting killed on the streets every day by police brutality and no accountability that has taken, taken place for their actions. Appreciate the perspective, Freddie. Thanks so much for calling in. Hey, Brandon, welcome to the show. What do you think? I mean, we heard some, uh, you know, comparisons there to what happened in in South Africa when we talk about uh, rights and equality with Freddie. Uh, That's what the NBA players are saying. You know, it's time for equality in the States, and maybe we shouldn't be distracting from the conversation by playing a basketball game. However, there's argument that um, when you walk away, it's putting pressure on not only the uh, people that own the teams, but it's also putting pressure on the advertisers who stand to lose some money um, and their corporations stand to lose money if, if people don't know that the product's out there. So maybe the conversation can be pushed a little bit more to the fore. What do you think? Yeah, I, I really think they got to go on with the season because if they're saying they want to have more of a conversation, um, it's like basically impossible to get to these people once they go back to their houses. Like if they want to talk to Trump, whoever wins the championship, they get invited to the white house. Like let that be your opportunity to say everything you need to say. Like this is sort of, um, this sort of, yeah, but isn't this beyond going to the white house for burgers? Because like, I think there's not a lot of uh, open heartedness in that administration right now for the, for this conversation. Well, it's like when they, they're going to cancel the season, it's going to make the people who already believe that Black Lives Matter happy. But the people who are against it, it's just going to, like, that doesn't get them into the conversation. It says you're bad and you don't get basketball because you've been bad. Like, I, I just don't understand it. It's not, 
it's just like a, there needs to be one voice in basketball that kind of explains exactly what they want. Like not just arbitrary, like specifically what needs to change. It's just, it's Pre- just. It's yeah, and I, I think, it, well, I think they're saying what needs to change is, is we need to stop seeing the, the killing and the shooting of uh, black men in, in the States is, is the message that certainly it's the flashpoint for this latest uh, boycott. Chris, I can't hear you. I don't know if Dave has got your mic up or not, but go ahead. I don't think that it's one voice that is necessarily, you know, the way to communicate this. I think they can all find a way to speak their own voices. I think that's why it was interesting that the league let them put different sayings on the backs of their jerseys so that they could talk about what specifically was important to them. Education reform, justice, things like that, because it's a diverse issue. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. it, the black community is a, di- a diverse community and so is the basketball community. So they all have different things to say. And uh, I think that right now they're coming out, they're going to try and come up with a message and a way to deliver that message altogether. But ultimately, there's a lot of different things at play and a lot of different perspectives. Hey, Cameron, welcome to the show. Um, The NBA right now, uh, there's meetings going on with the players. There's meetings going on with the Board of Governors. I had said once you boycott one game, I don't know how you go back to the rest of the season uh, if that's the point that you're trying to uh, prove, it's how do you continue on? Uh, Cameron, what do you think? To be honest with you, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars to play a game. At the end of the day, you're, you're playing a game. So instead of not playing the game, like let's really, when push comes to shove, take your million-dollar salary and give 50% of it to a good charity like Black Lives Matter, to getting black children a good education, to a good college fund, you know, that would go a long way. And that would show that you're really dedicated to it. So you're saying put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. Like otherwise. And you're talking about the players. Oh yeah, completely. Otherwise, like in the real world, if you don't want to work, that's fine. You don't have to work, but you don't get paid for it. If you guys want to work and make the money and give it to a good cause, I'm behind you 110%. All right, we're going to leave it at that for now. But let's talk about something that was announced yesterday. We took live the Prime Minister talking about the $2 billion that would be divided between provinces and territories for school boards and schools to use um, to return to a a safe school year. And Ontario is receiving $760 million. That's their part of the $2 billion school plan. Uh, we're joined now by Laura Walton, who is with QP. She uh, wants to talk about their needs and desires, uh, where they'd like the money to go. So we're welcoming her to the show. Laura, welcome to the program. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me. So yesterday, QP issued a statement on new money for education. Uh, we're getting $760 million. That's a good chunk of money. Um, first of all, who do you represent and, and then maybe tell us what you'd like to see done with the money? Definitely. So we represent 55,000 education workers across the province of Ontario. Uh, those are custodians, EAs, ECE, clerical, IT, CYWs, instructors, library workers, essentially everyone who's in a school that is not a teacher or part of management uh, could be represented by us. Okay. So, I mean, the call for teachers is uh, something that a lot of parents and uh, unions have been 
um, banging the drum about. They say, you know, it's about safe social distancing. So the more teachers we have, the smaller classrooms and the uh, fewer amount of children we have in the classroom. What exactly are you asking for? So we completely support additional teachers for smaller class sizes. Absolutely full stop. However, we also want to encourage the government and school boards to recognize that with those smaller classrooms are extra classrooms. So that requires additional custodians to clean. That will require additional EA support. Uh, Right now, the average EA um, supports six to 10 students a day. Uh, So smaller class sizes just means that these people are going between different classes more. We need to actually have more educational assistance support in order to support these children who are coming back after more than six months away from the classroom. Are these the the supports for special needs kids? Yes, that would be. Yep. Uh, We would also need more ECE. Okay. And what do ECE do? So an ECE, uh, in the kindergarten program, the kindergarten program is made up of a teacher and an ECE as a team partnership. So when you get a smaller class for kindergarten, you also require an additional ECE in order to have that full program. Is there an argument for the fact that this year you'd need more ECEs and more EAs than a normal year? Because you're really going back to school Uh, after it's been put on pause and when you're dealing with really little kids or kids with special needs, you've thrown off their, this um, routine that you were trying to get them used to. And now uh, it's going to be maybe even harder to get them back into the routine and some form of normalcy. You hit it right, hit the nail right on the head. Uh, There's going to be a lot of routines that are just really absent for kids. And I can speak even for my own children. I mean, I have a son who I'm not sure how he's going to get up for grade nine in a couple of weeks, but you know, there's, we all had that problem. I don't know if you remember. (laughs) We do. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of transition. Uh, Also, there's a lot of concern right now with the new way uh, that high schools are are going to be laying out their program where it's one class every day, all day uh, for five weeks. You know, there's going to be a lot of support needs that are needed there as well uh, in order to be able to get these kids through what is going to be a much different school year. Yeah, let's can we talk about that for a second, because I was talking to a friend yesterday who is a teacher. And and so when you say one um, class all day for high school, some high school students, that means one subject all day. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, I can attest that I was not a fan of math in high school. And the idea of doing math all day for five weeks every day uh, is a little anxiety driven for me. Uh, But that's essentially what these students are going to be facing and why it's so important uh, that we have the supports there to help them, but also to support our teaching colleagues. It takes a team to educate kids. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, it, it's uh, there's an old saying uh, as among radio uh, personalities that that's why we do radio because we couldn't do math in school. I, I, I'm really curious about how the testing would go and also the retention long term. If you're doing mm-hmm. a subject intensely, um, you know, how do you keep the attention, first of all, but how do you retain what you've learned if then you take a massive break? We all know about that summer break and how much it leads to, uh, you know, loss of, of retention of the information that you learn and how kids have to work to get it back. And some kids, yeah. you know, their parents are drilling them all summer so they don't lose it. You're also looking yeah. at more um, secretaries and clerical staff. Why? Definitely. And the reason we're looking for those is because when you think about the contact tracing, the maintenance of list, the knowing who's where, when, in order to ensure healthy school years, that is going to fall directly onto the laps of our clerical folks. 
those are the folks that when you went, go into a school, any school in Ontario, they're the first people to greet you. And we're looking at this saying, hey, there's going to be a lot here that is very important as we maintain this school health monitoring. Uh, let's get an extra uh, clerical person in to support that. Okay. And is it one extra clerical person per school you're advocating for? Listen, my dream is one, uh, you know, but I think at this point, everything I have read to date does not mention them at all. And that's really concerning and maybe also uh, indicative of maybe how this ministry doesn't really understand how a school functions. Okay. So you're also asking for a few other things. Let's get to those last two asks. Yeah, so definitely we need to see some more custodians. Uh, currently, we have about two hours per day per school that has been allotted uh, through the government. We need to get that, you know, up into one custodian at minimum extra in a school. We need to be looking at the ventilation. Uh, you know, we're hearing already as people are trying to get back into their classrooms and get them set up, there's no ventilation in our schools. Uh, we have windows that don't open. Uh, that's going to be a costly venture. And I'm not talking about installing all new systems because if we wanted to do that, we should have started that back in April. But even, you know, being able to have portable HEPA filters, uh, those kinds of things, and sourcing those out. We're already starting to hear of shortages of chemicals and PPE, and we even haven't started school yet. All right. So uh, you like a province-wide directive and plan for improving ventilation in schools, I understand. So how much are... like a province-wide directive for a cleaning standard, so that regardless of whether your child's Mm. in Thunder Bay or in Windsor, that they have the same expectation of cleanliness in their schools. Okay. So how much is this going to cost? Because the Ontario government just received $760 million. Have you done the math on how much you are hoping for? Definitely. Originally, we did a costing and what we called the bare bones costing, and it was coming in about $600 million. Uh, that did not take into account uh, our friends who are the teaching staff, uh, so that would be an addition. But even if you take our costing uh, and then combine it with what we would need for extra teaching, we're still far below that. Uh, and that's How far below? This. Uh, I would say that, you know, we probably need an additional $300 million put into there. I don't have the numbers in front of me, and I would, mm-hmm. uh, I'm meeting with education uh, union leaders this afternoon, and we're going to be working together on what is it that we need in order to be able to provide the safest return to school for our students, because that's what's most important for all of us. Is there one uh, ask that if you don't get it, you'll be, you know, talking to your members and advising that they kind of walk off the job? We're not at that point yet. We have been, from the beginning, really, really emphasizing the need for collaboration, the need for members to understand what their rights are and involving themselves and speaking out. Um, You know, we need to be taking a look at that. We will be continuing to talk to our locals to see. We have areas that are doing it really well. We have other areas that it's really, you know, lacking. Uh, We'll be looking at it. It's going to be a very busy couple of weeks for us, uh, making sure that everyone is safe and ready to go back. Laura, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. You're welcome. Take care. Cheers. That's Laura Walton. She's president of CUPE's Ontario School Board Council of Unions representing support workers. Well, that's it for the Kelly Cotrera podcast. Join me weekdays, 9 till noon, live on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.